Hi and welcome to the Mount Hamilton Baptist Church podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. For more information, go to mhbc.ca. So today, uh, as we've talked about these gifts, we've talked about how God uses each of us in the body of Christ. And the Bible uses this imagery of a body to describe God's people. Is the image of how the people work together as like one body works together and how all the body parts matter. But as a church... We are also part of a body, right? Mount Hamilton is part of the bigger body of Christ, part of the body of believers all around Hamilton and all around the world. And as a body, we have also used these gifts. And so today we're going to hear five stories, stories of a time that our church acted in a way that we would say was apostolic, that we were apostles, when we were evangelists, when we were prophets, when we were shepherds, and now, and and as well, when we were teachers. So I'm going to start by asking Rod to come and share our first story. This is Rod Elliott. And before he begins, he's going to talk about a time in the slides, there's going to be slides up here, uh, that our church was apostolic. So the gift of apostle, for those you may not know, is the gift of those who lay foundations. Apostolic are people who step into new works, begin new things. People who feel that call to begin and to start. Apostolic people are often church planters or leaders. They begin parachurch organizations. And in Mount Hamilton's history, we were the result of a church with an apostolic calling when in 1922, Wentworth Baptist Church said, you know that country area up on the mountain, which is what it looked like then? We should start a church up there. And that became Mount Hamilton Baptist Church. We're thankful that they answered that call. Here at Mount Hamilton, we have also had many times where we've said we feel called to start a new thing. So, Rod, first of all, you're Rod. How long have you been at Mount Hamilton? I think it's uh, 45 years. Awesome. So it's, I'm part of the 12%, but if you get, if you get to me, I'm probably about one of the four. <laughs> yeah, the last week I talked about how about 12% of our church, which is quite shocking, has been over 20 years. We've had a lot of new people. So Rod is one of those long, long-time servants of Mount Hamilton. So Rod, tell us this story that we've asked you to share of a time Mount Hamilton was part of starting something new. It's a story some of you will know, some of you won't. I didn't know I was getting questions here, but I want you to see my... I'm done with the questions. I want you to see my official shirt for going to the football game. Yeah. Because you got to have more than people that are just cheering for the team. you got to have some officials there. Yeah, so, so be it. Anyhow. Excellent. My, uh, <laughs> my uh, topic today is, is apostles. And when the church comes together, it's that other word. What's the other word? Apostolic. Apostolic. <laughs> Anyhow, there are, there are many times in our church his, history that the church listened to apostles and moved forward as a body of apostles. That's the words I use. Um, <laughs> a time I want to talk to you today about is the hiring of Dave Over, Overholt as a youth pastor, Um, and the beginning of riot and church on the rock. The year was 1992. (laughs) The need need for a youth pastor was being talked about. Our our hurdle was how to to pay for it. I believe this ministry shows how God works, how God puts the pieces of the puzzle out out in front of you. 
and places them there, and the Holy Spirit nudges us. The five uh, Baptist churches of the mountain got together. The hope of a youth uh, pastor started in one, uh, one church. They had a few uh, teens attending. The, the, conver the, the conversation then turned to nudges and turned, what if, to why not, <laughs> to let's do it. And uh, the, the apostles heard, uh, heard this in all the churches and got excited. And the hope was turning to a belief. It spread from church to church. Mount, Mount Hampton saw the, saw, the, saw the vision. We were excited. We had two teenagers then. <laughs> the, the, the apostles in our church saw this as a kingdom building. In my experience, kingdom building always has rewards for the church when it's, when it's God's uh, plan. We uh, set up a free, a free will offering each week along with the other four churches to hire a youth uh, pastor. Dave was hired and, and started to plan. He got volunteers, rented a hall, and planned a starting date. The first meeting there was about 20. In, a, in attendance. The youth picked, picked the name of Riot. as a shocking name, but also it meant reaching in and out together. But Hamilton always loved acronyms. <laughs> it, reaching, yeah. Trust me, there's a lot of acronyms in our history. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> so I, I laughed at my own ear. <laughs> you know, the um, numbers grew, and the youth asked, asked that they wanted their own worship service. And they, and they call it the, the alternative. And if I start shaking her, uh, Mount Hamilton offered their, no, it's all right. Mount Hamilton offered their building for the alternative. A few of the older members showed up, and they found out the music was different. <laughs> the preaching was different. Uh, the way the teens dressed in church was different. The uh, need of aisles to get from the front to the back was different. But they just kind of climbed over the tops. But. Uh, <laughs> God was, God was moving, and the ministry was getting stronger. Numbers grew so fast that the alternative had to rent a larger, a larger space. Um, <clears throat> the expenses uh, taken, taken care of by the offerings of the free will of the churches and, and the plate in the, uh, in the old service. For about four, four years, and then it started to uh, slide a bit. This is when the Church in the Rock started to uh, to be formed. God's uh, vision to see riot be a come be a come a church was being talked about on our board. 
Dave was approached, and he, he was not sure, but he was very open to the vision. A prayer, a prayer group was formed and, and committed to prayer. For, for, four, for a year, God's presence was felt every, every week at that prayer, prayer meeting. Church on the Rock was, was starting, carrying, carrying, carrying a debt of 3,000, a little bit over 3,000. Once again, Mount Hamilton listened to God and followed the apostles and the vision of starting the church off at a debt-free. They gave, they gave them a check. Um, because of the vision of kingdom building, there are many, many teens that have given their life and still are giving their life to Christ. Uh, there's lots of marriages that happen. We have one in our family. <laughs> we got four great grandkids. Anyhow, thank you, Lord, for for apostles and their excitement to be pioneers. Amen. Thank you, Rod. Some of you may not have known that history of the Church on the Rock Connection, if you're familiar with that church to Mount Hamilton, and we're thankful for that apostolic work. Now we're going to talk about a time that Mount Hamilton uh, lived in the prophetic. Come on up, Brian. It's Brian Bailey. And uh, when we talk about prophets, we've talked about how this isn't people who come up and necessarily tell fortunes over you, as we may sometimes have that baggage. Prophets are people who hear God's voice and speak God's truth. And they're the people who say, I believe this is where God is leading us. And as a church, there were seasons that we also were called to listen to God's voice, even when it may have seemed radical. Brian, how long have you been at Mount Hamilton? Long time. <laughs> Tell us about but your story. For the story. record, I wasn't here on the first anniversary, as was suggested by someone this morning. <laughs> well, uh, Brian, tell us the story you've been invited to share today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> first of all, I want to read two Bible pa passages. One is from 2 Corinthians that says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And from the book of Proverbs, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your hearts, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. If you ask me on December 17th of 1993, Many of you would not even be alive at that point. How would you describe Mount Hamilton Baptist Church, Brian? And my thought was that we were a comfortable church. I stand here this morning as I did then, and I recognized probably everybody in the sanctuary, and I knew them by name. I can't say that this morning, and I praise God for that. So we were comfortable, set in our ways, doing well, we thought. When a phone rang in our bedroom on December 18th in the morning, I was not in the room. I was with our daughter who wasn't feeling very well that morning. And I heard the, Judy pick the phone up, but she didn't say a word. So I thought that was a little unusual. So I get up and start walking. She comes walking down the hall crying and says the following, the church is on fire. And you think, 
What did she just say? The church is on fire. And that was when we worshipped in the building. Yes, you down the street. Yeah, we're yeah. down we used to worship in a building down the road. Yeah, I should yeah. clarify that. I too, appreciate I that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. She need that help. <laughs> um, and you think, wow, I'm 29 years young, member of Mount Hamilton Baptist Church, but probably certainly not the best Christian person that I am hope, hoping to become. Let's put it that way. So driving down to the church, you're thinking, wow, Judy and I and Steph driving down to the church. As I turned on Upper Wentworth this morning, I had visions of it again. You cross Fenway, you look down, you see smoke, and then you see fire trucks. And you think, wow, how could this be happening? And there were some people there. My father-in-law, Don Smith, was the first one to get the call, I understand. And those, the senior members, as I am now, were standing there watching their church burn. And you think, how could this happen? God, what have you done? Or God, what have we done? Why is our church burning? Got to turn the page because I, yeah, I got notes. <laughs> Anyways, so we arrived to the fire trucks and the smoke and the chaos. And for me personally, watching people now of my age, watching the church burn was, was terrible. But then you have to realize all of a sudden that, hang on, we have issues to deal with. We have a daycare center that houses many, many, many young children. This is Saturday morning. And on Monday, they're coming to this, they think they're coming to this church for childcare. And that could not happen. It's just amazing what God puts in place of a daycare center on Garth Avenue that all of a sudden, a week earlier, had disbanded. A licensed daycare facility, which is very important, which allowed Sandy and other people to make arrangements that children would now be taken care of there. Without that happening, Mount Hamilton Baptist Daycare may have stopped being a daycare center. And what happens to us? It's seven days before Christmas. Seven days. And before the fire was out, praise God, arrangements had already been made that we would worship at Chalmers Presbyterian Church on the mountain, which we did the following morning. And the following evening, our Sunday school concert was held for the first time ever off-site, and it was amazing. So we praise God for that and all that he did for us. But now you have a building that is basically currently condemned, and with the leadership of my father-in-law, Don Smith, and his best buddy, Mike Shabalock, and many others, our pastor, Jim Rudd, and many other people who were involved, came the task of going through insurance companies and adjusters to rebuild Mount Hamilton Baptist Church. Backing up, when I was standing there watching the fire burn, I thought very selfishly, we're done. This church will never open again. But that was, I believe, that was the only person thinking that that morning because <laughs> the leadership that I talked to that day later on, there was never a question that Mount Hamilton Baptist Church were to rebuild, to honor God. And that's what happened. It took several months. I think it was six months, Sandy, if I'm remembering, before the daycare was allowed back in. And it took another few months to get us back in in September. And my claim to fame on that day when the church reop was reopening, and Matt Hayes, if you know from the, from the radio, was on the fire truck with Mayor Bob Morrow coming up Upper Wentworth. And Matt Hayes sang O Canada that day. As always, I was late getting to this to the ceremony. I came, I parked on Upper on Inverness. I ran through the basement at 4:40, up the back stairs, and literally almost ran through the ribbon cutting 
for the grand opening. Literally, it touched my big belly. Honest to goodness, that's an honest to goodness true story. So, God has always been there. He's here now in this building with us. I'm very confident of that. And like I say, if he loves me, I know he loves you. Trust me on that one. So I am very blessed to be standing here to, to, to talk about a time that was very difficult, to watch a building burn that, again, it's bricks and mortar, that's all it was. But the memories, Judy and I were married there. Um, and it was just great, to, and we had many baptisms, people coming to Christ in that building. And the ironic part was, Brad and Joanne Bechtel's first Sunday was going to be December 18th, 1993. They couldn't make it to there quite that day, but they've become a fixture around here ever since. So hopefully that helps. Wonderful. And Brian, if I may, sure. there were three, it was an arson attack. Yes. And there were three churches yes, that were attacked. Were. Yes. And one of the things that's always struck me is the other two churches, which sound like they were very much like Mount Hamilton, yep. very comfortable. Yep. They said, we're done. Yep. They shut down. Yes. They said, it's too much work to rebuild. And Mount Hamilton said, no. God's not done. I never heard that that morning. I thought about it when Leanne asked me to speak. Did anybody mention that? There were tears and people crying, but Jim Rudd said something profound, I think, when he said, we'll cry tonight, but we'll go tenting tomorrow. And we yeah. did. So yeah. praise God for that. Thank you. Thank you. And God had a prophetic work for us there when God said, I'm not done with Mount Hamilton. Right? God wasn't done, and we hear the voices that said that word so we could keep going. We have three more gifts, so I'm going to ask Gay and uh, Rob Marsh to come up. Just let me grab it. And we're going to do the next couple interview style. And we're going to talk about the gift of evangelism. And this is the one that we've talked about. Some people go, oh, there's some baggage with the word evangelist. But these are the people who gather people in. Evangelist is a word that says we want you to be part of the kingdom of God and they reach out to others to make that happen. So I've asked these two beautiful people to tell us a bit of a recent story. You're welcome. Of when Mount Hamilton... I was going for beautiful this morning. You nailed it. Let's get you close to the mic. And uh, we'll, you decide who's talking when. And so tell me about what happened a couple of years ago with two of your beloved neighbors. Well, Gay and I uh, had been attending for a couple of years at this point, and my wonderful next-door neighbors um, were always available to me to come to their front porch and steal tea and cookies. So I took, uh, took advantage of that very often. <laughs> and when doing that, you talk a lot, and um, you talk about your life, you talk about what's going on, and one of the things that we were really enjoying because of the wonderful job you and the people here had done was the... Uh, the joyous time we were having at our new church, we had been searching uh, for a new spot to land, and uh, Mount Hamilton was so welcoming to us. And we had done a lot of things in this place. It was, it was new. They did, did things in a different way than I was used to. Uh, I would tell them about the pod that Andy was running, and we met a lot of wonderful people, and Jeff, and uh, the uh, uh, good times that we had. And um, Phyllis, uh, and oh, Phyllis is sitting over there. You're not in the row, Phyllis. What's up? <laughs> um, so, so uh, Phyllis had uh, and Frank had been kind of wondering. It had been a while since they had attended as well, and it was a really easy discussion. And Phyllis had expressed some interest, so we said, "Well, we'll drive you any morning. You want to come?" And uh, 
they said, sure, let's go this week. And that's what happened. And then what happened when they came? Well, they kept coming, which was... Um, and I mean, I, I can't uh, take any credit for that. That goes to everybody here. They found the same thing we did. The place is welcoming, the place is wonderful, and uh, they met a lot of people and uh, started to enjoy themselves as well as hear the wonderful word that is spread from this building. And this had quite an impact on others. What happened after Frank and Phil started coming? Are you going to do this one? Uh, <laughs> sure, you go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, so I think Phil and, once Phil and Frank started coming, they uh, thought the, I think it was the summer Bible camps, the camps. that they invited their grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great to come, and they started attending. And then that then brought their mom and dad, Jesse and Greg, and Jess got involved and came to an alpha, and, I, and then eventually you got baptized. And also Phil and Frank's two daughters, Bonnie and Sharon, started coming. So we now have the East 45th row that we are very proud of. Yeah. So, so if you see, just stand, do a little wave. <laughs> and, of course, the two kids out in the, Sunday school. The honorary member, too, is my yeah. brother, who's, yeah, uh, brother. <clears throat> who's also uh, part of that gang. And it was one year ago today that Jesse got baptized. To be yeah. clear, because you yes. invited Frank and Phil, who invited Jesse's kids, who invited Jesse. Yeah. That's a great story of evangelism, isn't it? Of gathering people to the church. Yes. How has God blessed you in this? For myself, um, I have been blessed by having the ability. There's, there's many activities that we have here at, at uh, Mount Hamilton Baptist. And the ladies' nights, I've been blessed to have come with Phil and um, Bonnie and Sharon. And I've had the opportunity to grow closer to my neighbors, which I never would have had if they hadn't been able to come. I went away on a ladies weekend, a retreat weekend with uh, Jesse and we got to know each other a little better. So it's, I've been really blessed or feel blessed that um, we've had this extra time together and got to know each other closer. And for Rob? Well, Frank and I have had a chance to come to uh, the uh, men's breakfast when they, when they occur and we've really enjoyed that and uh, spending our time at, at that and uh, putting new siding on my garage. <laughs> Thank you so much. And so we have so many stories like this of people, and we could go here and people say, I invited my friend, I invited my friend, and we've gathered people who were able to find Christ for the first time or in a new way here at Mount Hamilton. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Um, the gift of shepherding, sometimes we use the word pastoring, is the gift of people who are very good at caring for others. We have a lot of shepherds here at Mount Hamilton. And as a church, we also have ways that we seek to care for people's souls, their hearts, and their bodies. Leslie is going to just tell us a story about one of the things we do as a church to shepherd people in our church and in our community. So, Leslie, tell me a bit about Blue Christmas. So, Blue Christmas is a, a wonderful, wonderfully difficult um, it's a complex service. Um, it's a service that has uh, elements of, of remembering, elements of sometimes uh, sadness and recognizing loss where you may not normally expect to see it. So why do we do this? So it's a service for people who are grieving at Christmas. How does this care for people? How, does it make, how is this a caring thing to do? I think it makes space, right? I think sometimes Christmas is so busy and there's stuff going on inside of us um, that we just need to process and we need to name and we need to put out there. Um, and I think it's really good too because sometimes when we get caught up in it, we kind of 
um, don't even acknowledge what's going on deep in our hearts. And Blue Christmas allows us to stop and recognize what's happening within us and, and name it. And how have you seen people cared for through just saying, we're going to come together at Christmas and have a special time for people who are really hurting? How have you seen people cared for by that? Yeah, it's been really great um, just in the, in the way that we do it and in the way that people then start to interact with one another and recognizing in each other that there, there is a need to care. Um, and so I think it offers an opportunity for people to surround one another and it, and it creates an opportunity for healing. And, and we've seen people who've been able to express that grief and find that they get to step one step further in their grief journey. Thank you so much, Leslie. And so that, that we do have our Blue Christmas service coming up on December 10th. And it's just one example, Moan Hamilton saying, it's not about people showing up at church later. It's not about, you know, have some bigger agenda. It's just about loving people who need love. We could tell other stories too. Our last gift that we're going to talk about that we've showed as a church is the gift of teaching. That's a pretty self-evident one. People who are, uh, share God's word. So I asked, I don't know how many of you are coming up. All of you? Uh, Lynn is going to come up on behalf of one of the longest learning groups at Mount Hamilton, the group previously known as Stitch and Study. I think now they're just and study. <laughs> Would you tell us a bit of your story? Okay. The reason Phil is not where Phil usually is is because I moved everybody into the same group. I just wanted to introduce this long-standing group. So could you just stand up and... <laughs> We have Mildred, we have Phyllis, we have Phil, Rose Jean, and May. Um, Elaine is driving a friend for an appointment. Um, uh, Mary is having some health problems at the moment, so she's not with us. And I'm uh, pinch hitting for Teresa, who, as you know, has been having some health problems and it's doing really well and has actually come back to our, our Tuesday morning group, which we're very grateful for. Okay. <laughs> so, um, when Leanne asked me to give, give an introduction to this group, I thought, well, you know, that shouldn't be too bad, until I started trying to find out how long this group had been running and where it started, and I got so many variations. <laughs> that it became a lot more than I expected. Um, as far as I can gather, there have been at least 22 other church members, aside from the ones that we have now. Um, and we even co-opted three from Chalmers Presbyterian, <laughs> and which we used to call our Baptisterians. But that's <laughs> they came and joined particularly the Stitch and Study part of it. The group probably had its beginnings as far as I could tell when Dawn Yarker was a, an intern here and she started a, a study. Um, although I did hear that there were times before that when Donna Bailey, who was a, a brilliant pianist and used to do the choir here, um, she would have a group of ladies march through the church for exercise while she played the piano before they settled down with their Bibles. <laughs> We need to bring that back. <laughs> so, when Dawn's study was through, nobody wanted to disband, and so the study part continued. We always begin with prayers and praises for those things that are close to our hearts. Um, and I think over time, it's become a support group in some ways for the members, 
because they can discuss things freely that maybe they wouldn't always bring up because they know it's just between the Lord and us. And let's face it, most of us have been around long enough that we have a wealth of resources to share. Um, we also collect a small donation, which goes at Christmas time to um, whatever uh, organization we decide. And coffee and cookies are an important part. We have a great baker among us at the moment, and it's an important next step. Um, and we also bring in people who make sure we have the soft chairs to sit on, and they also take away all the things that we collect, like milk bags, stamps, downsizing donations, and those would be Brian and Rod who take those for us. <laughs> um, at the beginning, when our time was spent um, on whatever chosen study is, and given the wealth of Bible knowledge among the group, there's always new things to learn. Um, and at the beginning, when Donna Bailey, who was an expert quilter, was a part of our group, we met at the Inverness site, um, and we were able to bring our lunch and set up afterwards, and we would stitch for several hours. And we made a lot of quilts, and they were given to students who were um, starting away to college, um, away from home, people moving into homes after they left jail, uh, left jail, or those in a shelter. And once we moved for this site, it became a bit difficult to find a spot to spread ourselves out. So we also close our Christmas and our summer sessions with lunch together, usually at a local restaurant. And we're always open to new members. And although we have a long history, together, it seems that newcomers fit in pretty quickly. And so if you're not busy on Tuesday mornings, this is my commercial, uh, from 9.30 till 12, we'd be really happy to welcome you in the new year and continue on with the teaching. Thank you. Thank you. So almost 30 years, every Tuesday I walk by these women learning about God's Word together. But I also wanted to end with a picture of one of our newest studies. So last but not least, Kat, come up and join us. And so we have this group, this Bible study that's met for close to 30 years, and this one's pretty new, and you see a little bit different. And I forgot to, I'm sorry, that was Lynn Gates, and Lynn has been here a long time too. And Kat, how long have you been at Mount Hamilton? This is Kathleen Stedman. Uh, eight years come December. Yeah, starting in Christmas when you were invited by a friend to church. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. Tell me about your pod. So our pod we call is our small groups pods now. a little different. It's, it's made up of a lot of young families with young children. And there are, I think I, I just counted this morning, there's 13 adults when we're all present and 16 children under the age of like nine or eight. Um, so it's, it's a very busy pod. How is the gift of teaching important in your pod? Uh, so it's, it's important in so many ways um, because as we meet, similar to Lynn's group, um, it's, it's, it's a community and, and we're doing the, the learnings of God, but we're also, um, it's not led by any one person. We have kind of material that we'll follow, but the different people that have the gift of teaching share to the group and we're all kind of benefiting. And in addition to that, we're... Um, we are a very close community now, and we do support each other um, in just 
regular life. Uh, it's become quite a, a group of friends. And um, in another way that we see the teaching, the children, um, we're teaching them by example the, the importance of what it is that we're doing. So when we get together every week and, um, and we meet to talk about you know, God and Jesus, they're getting together and they're, they're having fun, they're playing with their friends, but they're also seeing that their parents are taking time out of their lives to do this. Which is and, impressive. And yeah. be a community. Um, I didn't mention, sorry, so we, when we meet, we also have a couple of helpers that come and we, um, we take a collection for that and we pay them for their time so that the children are able to hang out and play separately while the parents uh, get an hour on their own and get to talk. Um, and then when we're done, we, we do kind of a potluck style dinner and we all, uh, after we're done the study, we all come together and eat whatever glorious food people have brought. But uh, yeah, there's many ways that teaching is important in that. How has God worked in your pod? It's, it's been incredible. As I said, we've, uh, you know, we started out knowing each other from church and having similar lives in the sense that, you know, we're young families, young children, um, but we've, we've really grown together um, as, as a group of friends, and it's a, it's a very safe place. People can come and talk about whatever it is that they need and feel God's love and support through each other, and... Um, yeah, the kids, the, the same thing. They've, I think they've realized that like, these are very good friends and, um, and they can see God's love through that too. Amen. The gift of teaching continues and our role of learning as a body. Thank you, Kat. I hope that, as I said today, although it can sound like we're talking a lot about our church, the glory is to God who has gifted us in different ways and as a body uses us for God's kingdom. As we uh, end this time together, we're actually going to do something maybe a little bit different today. We've done versions of this maybe in the past a few years ago. I was thinking about how you have each been gifted, and as a church, you are each part of the body, and maybe through this series, you've discovered, you know, I think I'm an evangelist, or I think I'm a shepherd, and we're going to invite you today in honor of our 97th year to go out and use those gifts, 